Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemmy.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Omar. So do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, of your mind the way you think. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and, per- and perfect will. That is the word of the Lord. You can go ahead and take a seat, everyone, at all campuses. So let me just stop right there and let me set up the teaching by just sharing a quick story that I think will always, you know, help us connect the teaching for today. You know, to begin with, aside from my seminary education, my other formal education was actually in the field of law. Of law. Uh, I went to the University of Miami. In fact, how many Canes fans do we have in the house? Yeah, at all camera, we are a big Canes fan here at Christ Fellowship. And uh, when, you know, when I think back in those three years of, my, of, of law school, Church family, I wish I could tell you that it was a happy season. I wish I could tell you it was a relaxing season, that it was an easy time in my life. But folks, it was quite the opposite. In fact, it was a very hard and burdensome time in my life. And the reason that it was hard and burdensome for me was because of all this. Listen, this right here was my life, my life for three years. In fact, whenever I would look at my desk in those three years, this was how my desk always looked. You know, and it wasn't so much, you know, the case briefs and all the journals and, you know, the mock trials, but can I tell you, what was really burdensome for me and hard was memorizing all the different rules and all the different laws. There's so many different types of law. You know, there was tort law. uh, There was family law. There was constitutional law, uh, evidence, civil trial and procedure. And folks, it it was so much at times that I I needed like binders, just like this. This is actually one of my law school binders, where I would just write and write and write and just try to keep all this together in my mind. In fact, these were just little papers and, and little graphs and things that I used to use just to try to keep everything kind of organized in, uh, you know, in my mind. And when I finished those three years, I got to tell you, I was so relieved. <laughs> I was so relieved because now I didn't have to memorize all these tech bo- textbooks all these laws, all these rules, all that stuff. And so as I graduated from law school, passed the bar, and so when I just look back at my life at, those time, at my three years, I thought to myself, you know, what a waste of my life. You know, three years of just looking at textbooks and memorizing all these laws, and I thought, what a waste, you know. In fact, I thought to myself, I am the same exact person I was when I came in, then when I just graduated. So that's what I thought. But then a couple months later, I was hanging out with a, with a buddy of mine, 
And he said to me, hey, Lord, you know, you're, you're different now. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean I'm different? Listen, I'm, I'm the same Omar you've always known. I'm good old Omar. What are, you, what are you talking about that I'm different? He said, listen, you're not different by, you know, by the way you, how you look, your body. No, you're, you're, you, the way you think is different. You know, the way you process information, you analyze, even the way you make decisions is different. And at that moment, listen, it was like I had an epiphany. And I realized that I missed the point of law school. Because in my mind, the goal of my law professors was just for, for us to memorize all these laws, all these rules, and all these textbooks. But really, their overarching goal for us is that in the process that we would come to a point that we would think like attorneys. Here's why. So that when we left law school behind and went into the real world and faced real legal issues, real legal dilemmas, we can approach those, those moments, those cases, and think like good attorneys and always make the right decision. See, that was her goal all along. And folks, listen, let me just bring all of that over to our teaching for today because what a picture, what an image of God's will for our life. You see, just like the goal of, of our law professors were not just to burden us with these textbooks and have us memorize these laws and rules, but rather that we would think like, like attorneys, Folks, in the same way, the goal of our Heavenly Father is that when we come face to face with His Word, it's not that we would just be burdened with all these His commands and His laws and His Word. That's, that's, that's not His goal. And, you know, I think for some of us, when we approach His Word, we, we can get a little overwhelmed at times. You know, there's just so much in his word. You know, there's, you got Genesis, those early books, then you got the Levitical law, and then you go into the books of poetry, Proverbs and Psalms, then you have historical narratives, the, the Old Testament prophets, then you go into the Gospels, then you go into the epistles, and all these different things. And so it's very easy for many people when they approach God's word to just get overwhelmed with all these commands and all these things that we see. But listen, God's will for your life is not that you would just look at God's word and just be overwhelmed. Listen, that is not God's will. It's God's will is not that you don't look at God's word and just, just kind of be just, it, it's almost like a textbook. But listen, listen up. God's will is that in the process, in the journey, as you read God's word, that you would begin to what? Think like Christ, to think like Jesus. Why? Here's why. So that when you come, when you're walking in life and you actually face real issues in life, like marital problems, like, like financial issues, things with your spouse, things at work, things at home, that when you and I approach the situations in life, we could think like Jesus, right, and make the right choice. In fact, the big idea for this weekend, the big idea for this weekend is this. God's will for your life is that you would think like Christ, that you would process, that you would analyze, that you would make decisions like him. 
And so therefore, you will always be in his will. Now, you may be asking at one of our campuses, you may be wondering, well, pastor, how exactly can you think like Christ? I mean, that, that sounds just like so, how, how do you do that? Because truth be known, I've done some, I've made some big mistakes in my life, and I'm suffering the consequences now, so I want to be able to think like Christ and make decisions like him. So how can we do that? How can I do that? Well, we're going to find out from Romans chapter 12, all right? So if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12, and you can follow along in our listening guides as well as in our app. And with that in mind, I'm going to have three steps. I have three thoughts for you today on how you can think like Christ, make the right decisions, and be in his will. So write this down as step number one. We need to think non-conformity. We need to think non-conformity. Now, before we dive into the passage for today, let me just give us a quick context of this specific verse. Because this verse actually begins, marks the beginning of the second half of the book of Romans. And so as Paul's writing to the church in Rome, he's about to start giving them a, a bunch of different commands, reminding them of God's commands, of different guidelines from, 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 from God. And, and before he goes into all of that, I love it, he wants to be sure that they don't miss the point, which is for them to think like Christ. And so listen to how Paul starts off in Romans chapter 12. This is what he says. To think like Christ, he says, do not what? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now pause right there. And in your handout, circle the word conform. Circle the word conform. Because the word here in the original Greek text, you know, we always remind you that the Bible was first written in Greek and Hebrew and then translated into different languages. The word here for the word conform means to mold one's mind and character into another. But when you look at carefully at this Greek word, it's actually in the passive imperative, in the passive, which, which indicates that this molding is something that we allow to be done to us. In other words, Paul's saying, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, to its mold. You know, whenever I think of, of this word conform, I always think of, of Plato. You guys remember Plato growing up? Yeah, we all love Plato. By the way, it smells exactly the same as when you were a little kid. But that smell is like, it's exactly the same. It's so odd. But anyway. But you, we all know how the, the whole principle of, of Plato works. You know, we, it comes in, inside a container, in, inside a mold. You take it out, and you start molding it into something else, right? Something cool, maybe a stick figure, a bicycle, a little car, whatever the case may be. You start molding things, right? And then after you're finished molding that, guess what? Then you would get your little hand back then, and then you would grab the Play-Doh, and then you would press it back into its old mold. And folks, listen, what an image of what in our lives. Because all of us who are in Christ, listen, we were at one point in the world, in the mold of the world, and God, by his grace, took us out of that mold, out of that mold, and he started making us, conforming us into a new image, which is the image of his son, Christ. And he's making something beautiful out of us. But here's the thing. 
there's the world wants to pressure you to go back into its old mold, into the way you used to be, into the, into the same things that, that you used to do. He wants, the world wants to pressure you to go back to conform into your old ways. But listen, church family, listen carefully. If we're going to be people who think like Christ and make right decisions, there has to be a resolve in our hearts. Our resolve in our hearts is that we are not going to let the world conform us back into who we were before. You know, and can I tell you, here's where a lot of people fall out of God's will for their life. There's no commitment. There is no resolve in their heart that they're not going to let the world conform. And so they begin to be conformed again. And if I can be honest, as a pastor, one of the most saddest and most difficult moments is to see that someone is being shaped into the image of Jesus Christ, and you see them growing in their walk with Christ. And then somewhere along the way, they start being molded back into the world. So sad. You know, you see them going out and, and hanging out with those old friends. You know, those, they're on social media, so you see them on Instagram and Facebook, or you see them kind of maybe going to a place that they, you know they shouldn't be there. Maybe they go back to an old relationship or get into a new relationship that they should not be with. So you start seeing that, and here's what happens. They start making bad choices, and they start falling out of God's good will for their life. But here's what we need to remember. When the world is trying to conform you back into your old ways, into its mold, listen, write this down as A, we need to resist the pressure. We need to resist the pressure. You know, the people in the, in, in the culture around you are going to expect and pressure you into doing certain things. And can I tell you, sometimes that pressure is tangible. It's so real. It's almost like you can, you can hold it. In fact, listen to what Peter says about this pressure that you feel by the world and culture around you. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, they are what? Surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living. You know, I remember back in the day when I was younger when I made a decision that I was not going to allow myself to be conformed to this world, to go back to who I was, that my friends were surprised they were perplexed. I remember getting texts or getting phone calls. Hey, Omar, man, we're going here, we're going there. And when I would tell them, hey, you know, I, man, thanks for the offer, bro, but man, I got doing some doing something else tonight, or I'm hanging out with other friends or whatnot. They were always surprised. They were perplexed. Why isn't Omar doing now what he used to do? Can I tell you in that in your life? If, the, if your friends and your coworkers, your classmates, whoever the case may be, if they are not surprised by the way that you're living your life, may, then maybe something's off in your life, you know? Maybe you're being molded more into the world than you think you are. So maybe something is off. But, and so listen, when, when, when we get pressured from all that, listen, we not, must not only resist the pressure that comes along with it, but write this down as B. We, got, we also got to resist the ridicule. Resist the ridicule. Listen to how Peter ends that verse. 
He says, they are surprised that you do not join them in the reckless wild living and they heap what? Abuse on you. You know, the word abuser is more like uh, a verbal abuse. Uh, other versions actually say they speak evil of you. And I would venture to say that's, that most of uh, the mistakes that we make in life, so many of the things that we do in life that we, that we do is driven by this fear of ridicule. It's driven by this fear of, of people making fun of us or saying things ab- ab- about me, about you. And so I think that this is really an issue, especially for people in middle school, in high school, and in college. Listen, if you're in that age range right now, any of our campuses, listen up. If you're in school or in college or in that stage of life, listen up because I've been wanting to share this with you for a very long time. I think this is the perfect time to share. When I reflect back in my youth, most, if not all of the mistakes in my life and all the things that I regret were oftentimes driven by fear of what of my friends and the people around me would say. Of, I was afraid of what they would say about me, of the ridicule, of the peer pressure. In fact, I would think to myself, I'm thinking now, all the things that I did, it wasn't because I had any urges inside of me. It was all driven by that fear. And so if you're in school right now, I would have you ask yourself, why do I do some of the things I do? And I would venture to say that you're going to realize that some of that, if not most of it, or all of it, is driven by that fear of what your friends were going to say about you, of the ridicule, of the verbal abuse. But because God knows that, that that's a reality when we live in this world, listen to what he says in 1 Peter 4, 14. He says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are what? Blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Listen, if you're in school still or at any age, but especially in school, when your friends say something about you because of what you believe or how you're acting, listen, that is a reminder, a sweet reminder from your heavenly father that his spirit rests upon you, that you can rest in that. And so listen, if we're going to be people who, who think like Christ and make the right choices, listen, we must not only res- resist conforming to this world, but here's a big second step. Write this down as big number two. We need to think with a renewed mind. Now we got to think with a renewed mind. Listen to, listen to how the verse continues. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, folks, it's not enough that you resolve not to be conformed to this world. Listen, all that is good and necessary, but it's not enough. There has to come to, to think like Christ and to make the right choices. You need to, we need to renew your mind, especially the, specifically the way that you think. Now, the natural question is, so, Pastor, how do we renew our mind? Well, the way you renew your mind, write this down as letter A, is with God's truth. It's with God's truth. You know, the reason that we need to renew our minds with God's truth is because our minds naturally, they are sinful. We have naturally sinful minds that are devoid of God's truth. 
You know, when we're born, we're not born with God's truth already in us. Since we're born with a sinful nature, we don't have God's truth in us. And so therefore, the choices that we make never align in our natural state. We never align with God's will because they're not a, we don't have God's truth. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Because if we're going to think like Christ, then we need to have his, his thoughts, right? His word in us, his truth. Conversely, if you don't have God's truth in your mind, if you don't have a renewed mind, you can't think like Jesus. You can't make the right choices. So here are two practical ways that you can renew your mind with God's truth, right? First one is the obvious, is spending time in God's word. You know, I think sometimes we speak about this ad nauseum, but it's for a reason. Listen, God wants us to, the, the, when, when we wake, when throughout the day, we, we always encourage you guys that, that to spend time in his word. Right? That God wants you to spend time with him and just, just hear what he has to say. You know, there's something that takes place when, when you wake up or at night or whatever the case may be, and you get face-to-face with nothing around you, but you're just face-to-face with God's truth. There's something that happens there that your mind begins to be renewed. The more that you meditate on God's truth and you think about what you read, God through his spirit just begins to renew your mind, little by little. You know, a couple of months ago, Pastor Carlos, he mentioned, he gave us a, the suggestion of the first 15 to spend time with God. Right? What a good way to start your day. You want to enter the day with a renewed mind? Listen, open God's word and just at least 15 minutes, just spend some time in his word and you will see how, how God's going to start renewing your mind. But that's not the only place. I think another place I've seen significant uh, people significantly renew their mind is in a small group. You know, there, there's something with small groups, by the way, is our midweek Bible studies where people get together in small groups to study God's word. And there's something special that takes place in, in the context of a small group where people are studying God's word, talking about it, encouraging one another, you know, asking questions, processing that there's something that happens in the context of a small group that your mind begins to be renewed. In fact, when I think of my own life, where I made some significant leaps in my mind, in my understanding of God's word, and my renewing of my mind was in the context of a small group, of a men's small group, where we used to talk about God's word, think it through, and encourage one another. And even the people that I've discipled, that I've helped along the way, and where I've seen them take also significant leaps in their walk with Christ and the renewing of their mind, it's in the small group. And so I want to encourage you, listen, if, if you're not in a small group here at Christ Fellowship, you're actually the minority. Now, I asked a small group pastor before I went on stage, what exactly is our percentage across all campuses of the, of the amount of people who are in small groups? And 67% of our people are in a small group right now. How amazing is that? 67% of our people are in small groups, right? And so listen, if you're not in a small group, listen, you're a minority here at Christ Fellowship. And so if you want to really start growing in your walk and renewing your mind, sure, of course, read God's word, but join a small group. Trust me you're not going to regret it, all right? But listen, it's not only critical that we renew our minds with God's truth, but the timing, the timing is also very critical. In fact, write this down as B. You need to renew your mind with God's word before. Say before. Before before you face issues of life. 
You know, one of the biggest mistakes that you can make is to wait until you face an issue in life to then try to figure out what God's word says about that specific issue. Why? Because by then it's too late. You know, here's why most situations in life, they don't permit you to have some time off to go figure things out. Most things you have to act on instinct, on instinct. You don't have time to figure out what does God's word say about a specific thing. And so I will tell people, listen, before you approach a specific situation, you need to have God's truth in your mind and you need to resolve what you're going to do before you get into that circumstance, before you get to that circumstance. You've got to resolve beforehand. And let me give you a, a, quick, a quick example I think may, 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 may drive this point. So just recently, my, my wife and I, we've been thinking through, you know what, it, it may be good for us to start moving a little more down south, closer to the church. So we were just casually looking to see what, what was out there in the market. And there was a home that popped up that looked really good. So guess what? We went to the home, and it was perfect. Man, it was perfect. The, the floors were, were brand new. The, the, the windows were, were, were looked awesome. Even the paint is exactly to our tasting. Everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. But here's the big mistake that I made, is that before we went to go see the house, I did not resolve in my mind how much we were willing to pay. That was a big mistake. And so we went and he loved it, and Ash's like, oh my gosh, perfect. So we went home, and for a couple days, we're like, man, should we put an offer? Yeah, we should. Well, is it too low? Are we going to insult the person? Or is it too high? You know, where's the right, you know, what should we pay? And during that indecision, somebody went to go see the house that had resolved in their mind how much they were willing to pay. They put that offer in that house, and guess what? They got it. And now my wife called me the dream house killer. That is what she called me. She was playing around, but not really, right? Not really. And so, you know, we, we laugh about the different things in life, about these issues, but how much more significant when it comes to spiritual matters, right? To spiritual matters. Because if you haven't resolved in your heart to do something, if it's still an option, is a sin is still an option in your heart? Guess what? You're going to fall. So if sleeping with someone before marriage is an option in your heart, and you have now resolved in your heart that, you are not, that you're going to honor God that way, guess what? When things get a little hot and heavy between you and that person, guess what? You're going to fall. If you have not resolved in your heart that you're not going to cheat on your spouse, if it's still an option for you in your mind, when that attractive coworker comes along the way and they start flirting with you and they text you on the side, guess what? You're going to fall. If you have not, if, if honoring God with your finances is still an option for you, if you have not resolved to honor him with your finances, guess what? When you get any sort of income, you're not going to honor him. If you enter into a conversation and in your mind gossip is still an option, you have not resolved. I'm not going to gossip. Guess what? When the conversation gets a little juicy, you know how it is? It gets juicy in that conversation. Guess what? Boom. You're going you're, you're gonna to fall. See, folks, listen, if we're going to have renewed minds who think like Christ and make decisions, we need to not only have God's truth, but resolve in our heart that we're not 
going to, to sin against God in that, area, in that area. So pastor, what happens when you actually, all those things were before you face an issue, but what happens when you actually get to an issue in life, when you, big or small, what happens? Well, write this down as big number three, all right? Now, you just got to test for God's will. You have now to test for God's will. In fact, let's go back to the passage for today. It says, so do not conform to the pattern of this world. We spoke about that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We, spoke, we know what that means now with God's word. And then, then you will be able to what? Test, test and approve what God's will is. Now, notice the word then. Notice the word then there. Because the word then, it really acts almost like a hinge to that whole verse. You see, it's only, it's only after you have renewed your mind that then you can properly test whether something is of God's will or not. Conversely, if you don't have a renewed mind, guess what? You won't be able to test. In fact, circle the word test right there in your handout or your Bible. Circle the word test. Make a little, little mark. Because the word there, test, in the original Greek text is the word dokimatso. And the word dokimatso means to test or prove or examine to see whether something is genuine or not. Genuine or not. You know, one of my favorite things to do at, when I'm at home eating lunch is, I don't know why, I love to watch a show. It's called Pawn Stars from the History Channel. Have you guys, have you seen that show? I think we have a picture of the show right there, Pawn Stars, Yeah. You know, the, the show is based out of Las Vegas, and it's a, it's, it's a shop, right, where, that's run by the, the Harrison family, and people bring in all different sorts of stuff to that shop, right? They bring um, gold or a painting or an artifact or just really different strange things at times. And most of the time when the family gets faced with, with something that they bring in, you know, for them to buy... They, they, don't, they, they know they don't have the right knowledge. So what do they do? They, they call an expert. They call an expert. If you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. And my favorite expert out of, of the ones they call is Mark Hall Patton, who they affectionately call the beard of knowledge. I think we have a picture of him right there. The beard of knowledge. How many of you guys have seen the beard of knowledge? You guys have seen, yeah, yeah, a lot of us, right. So, and I love, I love the beard of knowledge because he always wears the same thing every day. Red shirt. Big white beard and a black hat. That is his attire. And so here, here's what I, I love about the beard knowledge. When he comes to the store, into the, into the shop, he's just very happy. He's just, he just comes in. And then Rick Harrison says, hey, you know, beard of knowledge, have a, you know, is it real or not? And the beard of knowledge just comes to the situation, looks at the artifact or whatever it is, and he quickly says, yeah, that is real. No, that's not real. Super calm, cool, and collected. You, you've, if you've seen the show, you've never seen the beard of knowledge get anxious or, oh, man, what, what's this thing? I've never seen this thing before. You've never seen him bring books and, and start researching right there and then? No, because when he approaches a situation, he has all that knowledge already. And he's easily able to test whether something's genuine or not. And what an image, really, of how we should be. Because us as believers, when we come and we face a situation in life, big or small, we should have God's truth in our mind, his knowledge in our mind already that we can 
easily distinguish whether something is of God's will or not? You know, if you start getting frazzled and confused, maybe that's indicating something. Maybe you don't have enough God's knowledge and understanding. So, so when believers come, right, so, so, so pastor, so, so when you face an issue or a situation in life, so what do you do? How do you test? How do you test? Well, the first question that you can ask yourself is this, write this down as letter A. Ask yourself, what does God say? Very simple question. What does God say? You need to ask yourself, is this something that God has already clearly talked about in his word? And if he has, listen, easy, you got your answer. Oftentimes, though, here's what happens. Are the biggest mistakes in our lives, the ones that cause us the most pain, the most suffering, are oftentimes things that God has already said clearly in his word, do or do not do. And I have, a, I have a feeling God explicitly puts those things in Scripture because he knows how much it's going to harm you, how much pain it's going to bring you. And so he says, do this. Don't do this. I love you. Make sure you don't do this. And so it's amazing to me that sometimes we bring so much pain and suffering on ourselves from bad decisions because we ignore what God has already explicitly said to do or not to do. And so listen, when God's word says it, you already have it. However, what about those issues in life that are a little gray, you know? Yeah, God talks about this, but it's like, it's like, a, it's like a side issue, right? And so what, 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 what do we do then? Because maybe God didn't specifically address this issue. Well, here's a second question you can ask yourself and write this down as B. What, what would God say? What would God say? Here's what's amazing about God's word. God has given you and God has given me enough in his word to be able to guide you through every decision in your life. He has given you enough. And see, if you spend enough time with him, you're going to know who he is and what, we, what he would say about an issue. Let me give you an example. You know, with, with my wife, Ashley, I have not sat down with my wife and talked about all the possible scenarios that could come in life. We have not talked about every single possible question, but here's the thing. Because I spend enough time with her, because I know who she is, because I know her heart, guess what? When something comes along the way and she's not next to me or whatnot or someone asks me a question, guess what? I kind of already know what she's going to say. Why? Because I spent enough time with her that you already kind of know. And the same thing with you. Right? You have people in your life, in your family, your friends, whatever the case may be, that you're close to them so that when someone talks about an issue, you already kind of know what they're going to say. Same thing with God. The more you know him, the more you get to, to grow in his word and knowledge and, get, and spend time with him, the more you know what he will say. You know, oftentimes I hear, I hear people say that they only read a portion of God, just parts of God's word. Oh, I just, read, I just only read Proverbs or Psalms, or I just like reading the Gospels. Or, and you know, when I, I, when I hear that, I'm like, I understand. What you, but, but I think to myself, what a, what a huge disservice you're doing to yourself. What a huge disservice. Because, if you, listen, if you, if, if you only read a portion of God's Word, 
guess what? You're only going to know a portion of God's character. Let me repeat that. If you only read a portion of God's word, then you're only going to know a portion of who he is, of his character. Because if you want to know God's heart, who he really is, listen, you need to read the entire counsel of God's word. You see, because even in those parts of Scripture that may seem unimportant, that may seem a little obscure, listen, even in those portions of Scripture, God is revealing himself and who he is. See, every single page of God's word is a revelation of who he is, his character, what he loves, and what he hates. You know, just even yesterday, Give me a quick example of how this whole works. Even yesterday, I had someone text me. They would reach out to me, and they would say, hey, Pastor Omar, how are you? You know, we caught up a little bit. And, and she asked me, hey, Pastor, I have a quick question for you. And she, and she asked me, I know that I'm supposed to tithe and give my offerings of all, you know, of what I, of what I make. I understand that. But what about your tax refund? Are we supposed to tithe in our tax refund? And I said, listen, I, I can't take you to a portion of God's word that says, thou shalt tithe, you know, tithe on your tax refund. I, I'm, I, I, there's not nowhere that addresses that specific question. But I just said, listen, what, what do you think I would say? You know, when I, when I just threw that on her and I, I had her ask herself that question, it's almost like she, like you could see her mind calculating. She, she knew the answer. She, she knew. And I just, just that, that brought her peace. And so listen, the more you read God's word, even those areas that you're little gray, that, listen, God will always be faithful. And so through his spirit to lead you into his truth so that you can make the right decision. So let me end with this. You know, you may be here today at one of our campuses and perhaps there's an area in your life um, that you know you're not in God's will. You just know you're not in God's will. And because of it, you've made some bad choices. You made some bad choices. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your marriage, in a relationship, finances, your career, something with a, with a friend or someone you know. And the reason that you didn't trust and obey him and followed his will for your life is because deep down in your heart, there's a struggle of what's best for me? Is, is what's best for me God's will or my will? You know, that's a, that's a struggle we have in our hearts. And so because God knows that you would have that struggle in your heart, listen to what, how he finishes that verse, which he didn't have to put this, but he did it. This is what he says. He says, then you, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. He could have stopped there, but no, he doesn't. Listen to how he finishes off. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Say good. good. Say pleasing. Please. Stay perfect. perfect. And that is God's will for your life. Isn't there something in you that you want to experience his good and perfect will? Doesn't that just give you this, this, a good feeling? Isn't that's what he wants for your life. And you know, whenever I think of this verse, I always think of the old hymn, Trust and Obey. How many of you guys remember that? Him, trust and obey. Yeah, you know, we sang it a couple months ago, but I just thought it was so fitting, you know, just to, just to remember what that old hymn says. 
Let me lead you, uh, read you the lyrics and just follow along so you can see why I think it's so applicable. Listen to the lyrics. It says, when we, when we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way while we do what? His good will. He abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way than to be happy in Jesus. But to trust and obey. Don't you love that? In fact, you know, before we end, I'm going to ask Becky to come out. And I just want her to just to sing just those short lines. And all, at all campuses, go ahead and remain seated. The, the lights are going to turn off just a little bit. But as she sings, you can sing along with her, but just let, let those words just kind of just let it, you know, marinate your heart as she sings, all right? When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory we sheds on our While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey, oh, trust and obey, for there's no to trust and obey. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, we are just so grateful that you are such a great God. And Lord, I know that all of us here at Christ Fellowship at all campuses, Lord, there's a desire in us to make the right choices so we will be in your will. So Father, my prayer for all of us, including myself, is that first of all that we would resist to be conformed to this world and that we, we that we be renewed with our mind God that you would just transform our minds fill us with your truth so that Father that when we face those issues in life we can test whether something is of you or not of you and Father I pray that you would give us the strength to be able to trust and obey so that we can always be in your will we love you Lord it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. What a great message by Pastor Omar. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmami.org connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.